Today's Old Testament reading is from the classic um, 9, verse 18, in the Pew Bibles, verse 10, on page 619. Whenever, whenever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Today's New Testament reading will be found in 1 Peter 4, verse 7 through 11, on page 1124 in the Pew Bible. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober, sober mind, so that you, may, that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stalwarts of God's grace in its various forms. If you speak, you should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If you serve, you should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I am profoundly grateful. For the glorious season just passed, uh, I just, I've expressed to many people the richness that has come to me in Advent and Christmas this last year, and how much I enjoyed uh, your presence, the music, the decorations, the spirit, the services, the opportunities I had to go to concerts and other things that just made it an abundant time spiritually for me. And I'm desperately trying to hold on to that. Any of you know the feeling? It's amazing how about January 3, at 5 o'clock after that first day of work when you've gone back to work from a holiday, the Bah Humbug spirit creeps in. All of that rest that you think you got through this glorious season somehow vanishes. And uh, it, the world just doesn't quite feel the same. And so I'm desperately trying to hold on to that. And that is in part one of my motivators as I talk to you today about the year ahead. It seems to me that we are stewards of many things. And this is not going to be a traditional stewardship sermon. There's always financial management and always the command to bring the tithes to the storehouse. There is always a need for faithfulness in church budget. And if you're not doing those things, I would welcome the opportunity to talk to you about how we might help you get there. Because it's a, a piece that you are missing spiritually um, that's, that's going to be huge in your life. I just, I just have to tell you that up front. But that is not the thrust of my sermon today. The thrust of my, my sermon today is stewardship of the new year. Stewardship of, of these things that come to us, these riches that come to us in seasons like we've just been through. How do we, how do we, how do we live the way we purpose to live, the way we would like to live? I have to be very confessional and share with you that the question is one of uh, active concern for me as well today. So I don't come with the 21 steps to 
preserving the Christmas feeling through the new year, I don't come with a clear and concise catechism of how you might attain perfection this year and do all that you purposed and hoped. Instead, I speak as one journeying with you, trying to find out how I can best look forward and make something meaningful of what's ahead. Any of you uh, share those thoughts other than the sort of cursory uh, New Year's pledges? You're going to gain five pounds, lose ten, whatever it is. Uh, I only know a couple people here who would have a pledge to gain five pounds. So I'm guessing most of us are on that lose ten or more side. Uh, we, and uh, there's always the pledge that you're going to get back into your exercise program, which you completely abandoned through Christmas and Thanksgiving as well. And, uh, there's, uh, you know, health habits you want to change, financial habits you want to change, people you're going to get into touch and contact with and stay in contact with. Let me know how that goes. Uh, I haven't found those promises work for myself very well. But I'm still interested after all of these years of not being able to do everything I purpose to do in making the year ahead something worthwhile. So I'd like to invite you to turn to the text that were read today. And let's just go ahead and start in 1 Peter 4, which was the last one read to us by Amanda. passage was written nearly 2,000 years ago, and it's just as true today as it was then, maybe more so. Peter starts this little section, paragraph, by saying, the end of all things is near. How many of you have heard that one? Um, you know, 2012's coming, any believers? Uh, yeah, I... We have a theology that says there's going to come a time when God says enough. When Jesus Christ returns in glory, when the dead in Christ are resurrected, when the earth is judged, and when all things are made new. I believe that. I know almost all of you believe that. The end of all things is near, Peter says. And I, I want to just... <coughs> tell you how painfully true that is when I think about how vulnerable we as human beings are. My friend, uh, Pastor Garrison, found that his color wasn't what it should have been looking in the mirror. My friend, Pastor Garrison, felt some pain, discomfort, and he went to the doctor and he found that a tumor was blocking his bile duct. And as he investigated further, he found that it was cancerous. As he investigated further, he found that he had what we would call pancreatic cancer. And thankfully, I have good news about Pastor Garrison. He's got this on Facebook and everything, so I'm not violating his confidentiality, but the tumor itself was 
cancerous but confined. The margins are clear. Uh, they're doing testing on nodes they took to see if he has any metastasis. They were able to do a procedure that he can live with if all goes well. And his prognosis is open and uh, hopeful in many respects. So we're very excited and grateful for that outcome. And yet, life is that fragile, isn't it? One day you're fine. One day life is normal. And the next day you find out you have something that threatens your existence. Life is good and then there's that terrible accident. When Peter speaks of the end being near, there are two realities that we always have before us. One is our own demise and one is the actual end. And functionally, they're not much different. We don't know what lies ahead. All we can do is live life prepared, hopeful. All we can do is worship God as if today was our last day to do it. All we can do is trust that there's a greater purpose and a greater presence. There's one who can bring us through the other side. <coughs> and when the actual end comes, I think we'll all know it, one way or the other. So he starts with this... Uh, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. That's an interesting, interesting phrase. Be alert and of sober mind. Text comes to mind. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. People were drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Life was a party. They weren't concerned with what they saw around them or with the word of the Lord. And while I am one who firmly believes in a good celebration, and I am one who believes that we need to be joyous and carry the joy of the Lord, the sobriety he's speaking of means let's be aware of what's before us. And so as we look to the year ahead a degree of circumspection, not worry, a degree of sobriety, not dullness, a degree of purpose as we think about what God's purpose and vision may be for the year ahead. And pray. We pray clearly. We pray thoughtfully. That is one of the ways in which we can be stewards of what's ahead and the year to come. To embrace this idea of sober-mindedness, as he's putting it. To embrace this capacity to pray. But it is not a dry as I thing, as I said. Verse 8. Here's the number one thing. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I could talk all day about that. Have you ever met somebody who was flawed but at the end of the day you could overlook that because you just said he's just such a nice guy? 
or she's just such a warm person, such a giving person. Have you met people like that? They're flawed. You know that they have flaws. But it doesn't really matter much to you because there's love. That is something that is of God. Isn't that what First John says? Let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone who loveth knoweth God. The person that doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. And Peter's carrying the same theme forward. He says, if, if you want to live, live love. Because in loving act and purpose, much sin is covered. Now, that refers to a lot of things, doesn't it? I don't think Peter here is just referring to personal sin. Although I think that's part of it. I think Peter is referring to corporate sin as well. I think he's referring to good intentions gone awry. I think he's referring to sins we call of omission, things we were supposed to do or should have done, but failed to do. Love covers a bunch of these things. That's one of the fantastic things that I would say about you, and I want to continue to develop it and encourage it in the coming year. And I can only do that by encouraging you to truly take time to meet Learn to know and love one another in the coming year. And that is, this is a community in which there's great love. This church family has not changed substantially in that way, though the faces continue to be new. This family remains a loving church family, and the love that is expressed in grace and care with one another overcomes a variety of failings on our part, corporately and individually. Stewardship of the new year is a preservation of the capacity to love. When we give up the capacity to love, when we embrace something, oh, begrudging or grudge-bearing, when we embrace something hateful, when we determine that we will avenge ourselves of a particular slight or embarrassment, when we purpose to be stingy with the family of God for our own benefit, we fail to preserve a future. We fail to be stewards of what God has given us is to come. We fail to live with sobriety and vision and to pray. The love that covers sin flees away. I don't like behavioral type sermons. I don't like a philosophy or a theology that takes away from the grace that comes to us in Jesus Christ. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that actions do in fact have consequences. That's not just something you said to your kids. 
or that your parents said to you. They do. They have far-reaching consequences. And so together, to be stewards of the year to come, there is a, a way in which we can help with that by the choices that we make. When we purpose and live a generosity, it makes a big difference in the attitude, in the feel, in the resourcing of a body. When we live with intention to be just and to be careful about judgment, we refrain from driving schism from making choices that will regret and affect relationships. When we give ourselves to positive habits of living, whatever those may be for you, when we give ourselves up to saying, this year I am going to take care of what God has given me here, the body corporately experiences a greater health. How do I know? This afternoon, I'm going to go minister to the Moorpark congregation. Part of them has been torn apart as they've realized the vulnerability of the pastor they love. His health, or lack thereof, affects their health. And they want him back healthy, don't we all? When you are sick, those who love and care about you here and in your family, your children, when you are sick, there's an outflow of care and love that goes to you. There's no two ways about it. But it limits the possibilities of what you're going to be able to give and do in the course of the year to come. I wish it were otherwise. I wish we could... I personally, I'm just going to talk for me. I wish I could stay up to all hours and eat whatever I wanted. I think, you know, a pizza at 11 is just about right. But I can't be healthy and do that. My body won't take it. I can't do that. I would ideally like to eat about a 5,000 calorie a day diet. I would like to look like I work out and never work out. (laughs) But as it turns out, I'm not Paulina Portakova. There's an old reference for some of you. Very few of us can get away with these things. What we do affects body and affects body. It's just a fact. There's lots of counsel in Scripture about moral living. Because when we choose not to live morally, it's destructive of our relationships and our bodies. When we make choices that honor body, we make choices that honor body, and we make choices that honor God. That's why these things are listed so often in Scripture. Shun evil. Run away from these things. 
So part of stewarding the year ahead is to steal ourselves, to purpose for ourselves, that by God's grace, we're going to make moral choices that move us in the direction of kingdom life. There are so many other things that I could address behaviorally, but I think you get the idea. Love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Do I have any grumblers among you? I do. And I confess to occasionally grumbling myself. There's an old saying, many hands make light work. Oh boy, here he goes. Today is potluck. Would you like to hear a few ideas about how we can preserve the future together? How we can steward the year to come? I see some of you who work potluck going, "Uh uh-huh. Everyone is welcome, but I'm guessing most of you didn't have time to prepare a dish. Here are some ways you can contribute. We have to buy plates, cups, plasticware, table covers. We have to replace tables and chairs from time to time. We have to paint the facility because people get food on it. And by the way, cleaning carpets doesn't come free either. Join us. Make a $20 contribution to the pile-up fund. Rick, our treasurer, doesn't have a category for that, but I'm confident he can figure it out. Here's another thing you can do. Ask when the next pile-up is and look at what the theme is. Ah, it's Mexican Day. You don't have time to cook? Fine. Don Cuco's down the road will make you a tray of Mexican fried rice for a small fee or cheese enchiladas, or chili rianos, or something. Call them. Pick it up. Bring it to the potluck. Ask the hostess if there's any need to help with setup. It's a good idea. And if there's not, I guarantee you there's need for help with teardown. We've come to the place where we almost don't use the facility for anything because we've left it set up. But we have racks for tables and racks for chairs and a little cloth with a little water on it will get the sticky stuff off the tables and you can do that even if you're 80 years old. Let the younger people put the chairs in the racks and the tables in the racks. We don't have good vacuum cleaners right now. The board will take care of that. But pull one out and vacuum a 40 by 40 square area so we don't have to clean the carpet so often. And if you have children who eat, which children do, half goes in the mouth and half goes on the floor. So take time before everybody walks on that food to pick it up and dispose of it. Throw away your own plate and cup and food when you're done. And then let's see if there's any help needed in the kitchen. We do have a dishwasher, but it doesn't accomplish at all when 150 people want to eat. Now, I've just walked through something very pedantic. I've just walked through something that really should not take much thought on any of our parts. But if it were practiced, it would revitalize a ministry of this church. Did you know that? It would. We would have plenty of funds to get the supplies needed, 
The hostesses and teams that put this on would not be scrambling during church time to figure out if they can make enough extra food for whoever might come. It would be covered. We can do this. It's about stewarding our future and the year ahead. It comes down to a simple choice that each person makes to participate and do their part. By the way, that applies to all kinds of things we do here in ministries, not just potluck, but I thought that was a good time since today is potluck day to mention that. Because it says you should offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's hard not to grumble when one person is offering hospitality and 50 people are taking hospitality. It doesn't say somebody run themselves ragged taking care of everybody. It says offer one another hospitality. So you can do something. Not everybody does the same thing, but you can do something. Then it says... Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that line too. You are all unique and wonderfully different. Each of us has a set of gifts and talents that no other has. Stewardship of the year to come means embracing that. And each of us stepping up and bringing what it is that God has given us to the body of Christ. I'm not going to preach a long sermon on body Christ because you have heard it so many times. Should the toe say, I don't want to play because I'm not an arm? Should the stomach say, I won't digest food because I'm not an eye? No. You need it all. I need it all. We need it all. This November, I lost my gallbladder. I can live without it. But it was sure nice to have that thing shooting a bunch of bile into my stomach when I ate more fat than I should have. I took that for granted. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to step up. We're, we're making it without you. But what a life we could have in the coming year if we stepped up. If we were each stewards of the gifts we had been given by God and brought them to the party. Now that's a party. Because you're amazing. Each one of us different yet created in the image of God. Each one of us uniquely talented and yet so many of us have similar talents that we can do things like bell choirs and choirs. We can do things like coordinated social efforts. It's a wonderful thing. Sports. You name it. When Paul, when Peter, excuse me, writes this, he's not shooting in the dark. He's saying something purposeful and deliberate. He's saying, if you want to live as you should, if you've purposed to be Christ's person, if you've purposed to be a giver, Use what gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, not your grace, God's in its various forms.
That's a wonderful line. If you speak, you should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If you serve, you should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I don't know. That whole thing speaks to me in a very, uh, very real way. Then I want to look at Ecclesiastes 9 just briefly. such a small book tucked there after Proverbs that sometimes it takes a minute to get there. <coughs> Most of you know this chapter and you know it well. This is a wisdom book. Yet a little bit dour, to be honest with you. And there's a time for everything. And according to Ecclesiastes 9.10, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, that fits with what Peter was saying, the end is near, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Those are all forms of doing what your hand finds to do, right? Working, planning, learning, growing, being wise. If you want to steward the year to come, if you want your life to work at its greatest possible potential, this text applies. Whatever needs doing, give it your best. Give it your focus. Give it your all. It may be a year you can't do much volunteering in church life, for example. But it may be a year that by giving your all to your other pursuits, you can create space and time down the road to be of service. It may be that you've signed up for a couple of ministries in the church this year, and you're going to be serving, and you are serving in the life of the church. Give it your best. Be smart about it. Learn everything you can about what it is that God is calling you to do. If everybody stewards their year, collectively, we're going to have a year like none other. It won't matter what the economy's doing. It won't matter who's in charge of public offices, California legislature, national legislature. It won't matter. We'll have an amazing year. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your mind. Because life is short. And we don't know what's coming. Because we're called by God to live in His grace. And what that means for us is a kind of sober realization that we have to pray because we lack wisdom and strength. That what we do, we do in the strength of God. That the wisdom we have comes from Him. And that at the end of the day, it is in serving one another and in loving one another that we conquer all. Because the essence of the gospel is that love. God so loved the world that he sent his son. That no one should perish, but everyone should live. 
He sent His Son into the world to redeem it, not to reject it. He sent His Son into the world to show you, the Father, that you don't have to be afraid. That you don't have to have the wrong idea about who God is. That you can embrace Him with love. He sent His Son into the world that we might live and to show us the way to live. And He said that His example was the way, the truth, and the life. And what He did was loving in a self-sacrificing kind of way. He took on the role of servant. And He invites us in community and in communion to do the same. To together share in the mercy and the grace and the blessings and benefits of kingdom life. He gives us each uniquely and tells us to take that and serve one another. And He tells us that if we do so in joy with a spirit of love, it covers a multitude of sins. Sins including those things we haven't done things we've done personally, and things corporate. What you choose matters. It matters to God, and it matters in terms of the outcome and the quality of the year ahead. I think we can all take just a split second and think of a series of choices or a choice we've made that will limit this year for us. If you've made a choice that has put you in debt, that's now money that you have to repay that is not available for you to make other choices this year. Right? That's an example. It's a hard thing we we have to do in living with choice. But it's a true thing. And if we're going to be stewards of what God has given us, including time, and our corporate future, our individual futures. It's time to be sober, to pray, to do whatever we find to do with all the enthusiasm, all of the strength, all of the love, all of the grace we can muster. Because He's given it all to us and for us. May he bless us in the year to come. And so, Lord, in the church, in the year to come, fulfill in us the love that you have called us to, in service and grace, in Jesus' name.